What happens when two dudes, one a retired Navy SEAL commander in Colorado Springs, and the other a hippie meditation teacher in New York City, get together to discuss living mindfully? That's a great question, because we don't know what will happen either. Raw, uncut, and unapologetic. Welcome to Men Talking Mindfulness with co-hosts John McCaskill and Will Schneider. Each week, we take an authentic dive into how mindfulness continually impacts our lives, deepens our relationships, and allows us to be emotionally alive. We filter all of our conversations through the man box, where we unpack how as men we are expected to act in society, how fighting the authentic human experience is exhausting and damaging, and how mindfulness can help. Now, on to the show. Yeah, this is a, we, we had a really wonderful uh, conversation on last Friday with Military Transition and, uh, you know, really asking some good questions and digging into, into John and, and what it's like one year later. And, uh, you know, we also have some wonderful comments from uh, people through our Instagram page and through our LinkedIn, uh, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit, but just getting kind of warming up the room here, getting people involved or getting people, you know, on um you know for this green room and uh and we're gonna have a grounding practice like we normally do which is you know a standard thing for men talking mindfulness and um and we'll just all and i invite you all of you that to um anyone anyone who would like to share your story um we're gonna we're gonna try to run for about 45 minutes to an hour um depending on where we are and what we uh what the content is and how the conversation is flowing we also ask you to please like you know be succinct like get to your point you know, so we have as many people that would like to share as possible come into this space as well. Uh, if anyone would like to say hello now or, or just kind of speak up, um, you know, please uh, jump on the stage and we'll let you on. And and while we wait, wait for the first person to raise their hand. Will, you want to uh, jump in and do a, do a quick grounding practice, get people used to what it is we do on the show? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, let's go. Hey, thanks again for being here. Um, everybody find your seat or if you're driving, we're just going to do some really simple breathing. And yeah, I, I love doing simple breathing practices because you can really make a big difference in just, we're going to do this for like 90 seconds. That's it. So if you can close your eyes, close your eyes. If you want to make some contact with yourself and bring a hand in your belly, hand in your chest, um, just to kind of begin to feel uh, a nice deep breath, deep breath, meaning we're trying to fill down uh, with the breath down into the navel, like down into the pelvis and fill that breath all the way up to the top of the chest, um, which has a, an amazing resonance in our nervous system. So we'll start together, exhale out the breath, nice and easy, and try to really completely eliminate that exhale by pulling your diaphragm up underneath your rib cage. And let's take a nice big inhale in for five. Four, three, two, one, and exhale. So if you can purse the lips a little bit, make a little hole in the lips and exhale out. Sounds like this. For a long count of five, good, three, two, one. And let's do a bunch more. Inhale for five through the nose. Try to fill that entire torso with the breath. Exhale through the lips nice and easy. For three, good, two more. And one, good. Keep going. In for five. Out through the mouth, five. Two more. In for five. 
on this exhale, see if you can relax more of your shoulders, more of your face, exhaling all the way out, kind of dropping down into your sit bones or down into your feet if you're standing, right? And two more times, inhale. Exhale, easy. Very nice, let's go. One more, inhale. Good, and exhale, exhale. Yeah, just take this last moment and just feel how you're feeling now. You're feeling less anxious, less rushed, less stressed. Maybe you're feeling the same. That's okay, too. Um, but I'm glad you're here. Uh, hopefully, with that breathing, we become more present to this conversation. And uh, here we are. Let's uh, let's start off. Um, uh, John, where should we begin? Like, I, I should, I, yeah, I'm, gonna, gonna I'm just going to, honestly, I'm just going to frag some of the people that are down in the audience because I know they've all got something to say about military, military transition, either their own, uh, one that they're going through, one that they've been through, or one that somebody that they love has been through, they've watched. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to pick on Jeff because he said something about being shy. So I'm going to bring Jeff up on stage, brother. I hope you're, I uh, hope you're ready. Let's see. Welcome, yeah. Jeff. Hey, How what's you, up, man? guys? outstanding brother thanks for the thanks for the invite and uh teeing up the new platform i hadn't uh hadn't used used this platform yet yeah so i guess my first thoughts on military transition is like it looks different for everybody else right and so i think that's kind of the first thing uh is like you know there's no pigeonhole checklist for this transition right i mean i even made a checklist right to follow and I don't know that that was the best way to go about it. You know, it's going to look different for everybody. And I think that's probably just the first thing I would offer is that, uh, you know, where you're going, what you're going to do after the military, uh, it just looks completely different for everybody else. So maybe just give yourself a little bit of grace as you transition because the anxiety is real, right? It's like, what am I going to do next? You know, I've, I've, left, I've lived under the security blanket of the military for the last 20 years or however long you were in the military. And so, you know, I think the first thing I would say just to be a, conversation yeah i mean give us a little bit of grace have a little base the process and just kind of trust your soft skills as you transition after because we're also worried about the hard skills the nuts and bolts of what we did for a living and you know that's going to get taken away from you you're going to do something different but that's okay because you're going to bring you with you in your next chapter of life um so that yeah. that would be my first uh my first tea well, thanks, Jeff. Well, you know, what has, uh, you know, you've, you know, just to be clear, you, you're out of the military, so you've transitioned, you transitioned out. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. So I did uh, 20 years. Uh, most of that was, uh, you know, surface deck limited duty officer in the Navy, working with Marines a lot. Uh, and, you know, mm -hmm. I just transitioned November 30th. Uh, I worked mm. a very stressful job for about six months. Uh, and then found my way into a, uh, a different position, uh, not to get into too much of the particulars, but much more uh, family oriented, definitely a lot more supportive, uh, while also providing the financial stability that I need. Uh, but it did take about six months to find the forever job, right? And, and that's what they say too. your first job out of the military is not going to be your forever job. Uh, so, you know, that's another thing to kind of give, uh, give other uh, folks a little, little rest at ease, you know, it, it, even if you land on something that's kind of rocky or shaky in the first place for the first six months to a year, you know, just trust the process and know that maybe six months to a year from now, you're going to be exactly where you should be. Uh, so that was, that was maybe something else that, you know, I took away uh, within the first six.
Well, what are uh, Jeff? What are some of the things that helped you create success in your transition? Like, what are some you know those? You know, if you want to describe some of those, please. Absolutely, yeah. So, I, just to get into more particulars, I would say probably the biggest thing that helped me in my transition was my network. Right, I and mean, you know, mm. we talk we talk a lot about tribes, building tribes, having a net, you know, a community of like-minded people. And so, what was really helpful for me as I transitioned out of the military was talking to guys like John that were also transitioning at the same time. Like I, I, I just met John through a mutual friend said, Hey man, will you meet me for coffee so we can pick each other's brains, you know? And uh, I, I did that with a lot of people, you know, I said, Hey, what was your transition? Like, what were some of the lessons that you learned? So I'd say my most valuable resource as I exited the military, it was my tribe. It was my network. It was the people that maybe they were mentors or maybe I mentored them, but they were just maybe six months ahead of the, Head of the transition, right? Uh, what what caused you fear? What caused you anxiety? What what worked out? You know, how was your VA process? Uh, what where did you look for resume writing? Say, uh, and you know, maybe maybe you're not even looking for a professional career if you're getting out. Maybe you just want to understand, you know, what the benefits are available to you. And I think probably, yeah, we all have the interweb and we can Google all these things and. Uh, that can be confusing, you know? So talking to somebody your trust, I think the network was probably the biggest helpful uh, resource in the, uh, in, in the transition. Well, thanks, Jeff. I mean, that's, it's really important community networking, but also being active. I'd imagine was a big part of that, like really being an active, reaching out to people like someone like John or somebody that might be a little bit ahead of the game as far as transition um, and, and also imagine leveraging your talents in order to create more success in your life. So, yeah, that's a big one, community, for sure. Um, or anything I'll else, Jeff? I'll add to that. Um, so one thing that I, I noticed is that a lot of people, when they hear the word networking, they get uncomfortable. And in all honesty, we've been networking in the military our whole military career, when, especially when you start working in the joint world. And by joint world, Will, I'm not talking about a weed joint. I'm talking about when you're talking, talking Thanks. about Navy. Thanks, John. <laughs> Always pass left, John. <laughs> I'm talking about Navy working with Army, working with Marine Corps, working with Air Force, everything else. So when you work in that joint arena, you start networking across the different branches of the services. And that's incredibly important. But we don't call it networking. We just call it collaborating. And once we put the networking name on it. So everybody suddenly gets scared and, and they, they think, Hey, this is, this is going to be uncomfortable. It, it is a little bit uncomfortable, but it, it's incredibly powerful what you can do when you start to network. So I'm glad that you brought that piece up, Jeff. Uh, and thanks for coming up on stage. Will I will tell you, I made you the host of the show, so I don't have the ability to bring people up on stage anymore. I thought I made you co-host, but you're the host. Um, so you're, you're the man to bring people up on stage. Um, so Jeff, thanks for, thanks for your comments, man. Uh, and, and I see James Corbett and Michael Allen up here on stage too. Yeah. Yeah. Let's jump uh, James is the first one up. So James, say, Hey, thanks for joining us today. And, uh, what do you got? Hey, what's going on? Uh, sorry about that before I just downloaded it. I'm new to green room, but I uh, know the concepts. So this is, this is cool. Um, thanks. So uh, I run Project Refit. I've been friends with John for a while now. Um, he's actually seen our growth over at Project Refit over the past few months, and um, it's been something. And what, what is Refit, James? Sorry, like what's Refit? Ship. If you want to just give us a little brief summary of what Refit is or what it does. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's been a bit of a rocket ship over here, and uh, the reason why is because 
we're building up something uh, where we're trying to build the community of the future, basically mobile VFWs, American legions on wheels. Um, and then take orders in from different nonprofits on the country that we vet and we uh, work out. And then we send them these mobile VFWs. Uh, that's kind of what we're doing. We've gone all around the country actually so far. And we also have support systems and it's really important. And just let everybody know, kind of like from my standpoint, I'm a civilian that entered into this space because I had this crazy idea. Got a bunch of veterans to uh, join up with me, some of them my friends, some of them became my friends. And, um, and something I've noticed with the transition specifically, really important to note, it's really important to stay connected to community. I'm pretty sure somebody said that. And I, I can give you guys a great example of something we're trying to do at Project ReFit is to make that kind of like a uh, kind of a, stan a, 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 a standard. So a great example is a guy transitioned out recently, and um, his name is Carl, uh, without getting too deep into it. And Carl uh, was introduced to me. He was trying to get a job and he was trying to, you know, feel his way through that. He just got out a couple of months ago and he's starting now to feel the, um, the ramifications of the transition. What I mean by that is being disconnected from what has been such an important part of your life. You always had somebody around you in the military. Um, you always, always, always had somebody around you in the military. I'm beginning to learn, um, you know, whether it's at the office or at home or barracks or wherever it was, you always had your, your battle buddy or a friend or something like that around you. And when you get home, it can be a super isolating experience. And that's, you know, not to, to throw it down, but our mission is to combat isolation. And that's kind of one of the biggest things, I think, is, you know, the isolation piece and the mindfulness that comes along with it that you need to begin to develop, which is something that, you know, Will and John, you guys are experts in that. And really, it's important to focus on that for anybody that's in that field to begin to really do some introspective work and understand what it is that you're missing most and to kind of get yourself connected back to whatever, whatever it is that you're missing. Um, and when, especially when it comes to the job piece, I know that that's really important. Um, so, you know, trying to find a job can be very, uh, very difficult and kind of tapping that networking pieces. I think you said Jeff brought that up and I think that is super important. Um, but genuinely just having somebody to talk to that was uh, in the military or, you know, somebody who understands it is critical in my view. Um, and we've been able to do that successful for a lot of guys, but I know that you can find that through many nonprofits that are out there. So um, yeah. I think it's really important to have that connection piece. Yeah, no, thanks, James. And one thing that's coming up for me as you speak, uh, and also to kind of go back to what Jeff was saying, um, is the willingness to ask for help, to say you don't know you know, or you're kind of lost or you're, you know, you, you, again, you need that help from somebody else that, you know, is, might be in the same boat or, or might be out like a year ahead of you. And when you see, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say, you know, what's really important with that too, actually, uh, please remember I'm a civilian, right? Mm -hmm. So I, you know, it's, I'm helping out a lot of guys and I can tell you that civilians are capable of helping out just as much, right? Even if it's just with one person, I think it's super important to also remember that civilians don't know. So it is up to the veteran mm -hmm. to specifically almost give an insight into what it is that, you know, they miss most or what it is that's happening with them in their own minds. So it, I, I almost want to say it's, it, it's, uh, it's critical to have that really good communication piece um, and to try to work on that. Right. And, yeah. and if you are able to, you will be able to see a successful transition by getting involved with the community and getting involved with civilians, even that are around you, that you 
that you get along with. I think that's critical. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, just to also come back to the asking for help and it requires, and John and I talk about it quite a bit on the show, is like being vulnerable, you know, um, and, and really putting yourself out there because that's when things really begin to happen when you get raw. Um, you become vulnerable and just be like, hey, like, you know, I, I can use a little bit of help here. So thanks, James. It sounds like you're doing a lot of great work out there. And Will, I'll just add to what James said yeah. there in the, in the end about, you know, there's there's this kind of feeling about in the military that, hey, I'm, I'm only going to lean on my military brothers and sisters when I get out. I'm only going to lean on those who have gone before me. And I can tell you there are millions, quite literally millions of civilians who have never served in the military, just like James, who want to help, who want to help you find a job, who want to help you do your resume, who want to help you find out who you are outside mm. of uniform. And that's the important piece, right? It's who identifying who you are. James mentioned that that introspective work that you've got to do, figuring out who you are once you hang that uniform up. And there's people who have never worn a uniform that are willing to help you figure that out. So mm. ask the questions, ask for help, be vulnerable. That mm. doesn't mean being weak. That means being strong. So be strong enough mm. to ask for that help and, yeah. and you're going to be fine with it. And uh, I see yeah. some other great folks joining the room and yeah. uh, Will. Uh, yeah, got gotcha. you. I got this. I got, yeah. And um, yeah, and, and that's actually when you're asking for help and being raw and, and being vulnerable. I mean, that's being smart as well. Because if, you know, it's like, it's like a man is not an island, right? We, we need to really reach out and uh, we're better when we're connecting with other people. Um, so next up, we have, um, hey, hey, Karen, uh, we have uh, Michael Allen. Uh, Michael, how are you doing today? What do you got? Hey, I'm doing really good. I uh, hope I've got a good signal here. You guys. Yeah, you sound already. great. You sound great, brother. Bring it. Awesome. Hey, so, uh, you know, uh, I, I literally like was writing some notes down as you guys were talking and, and, and my points already have actually been made. But, uh, you know, I just want to emphasize the asking for help aspect. Like, I right. think that's huge. Uh, you know, I've helped out a couple of nonprofits uh, since transitioning and and having gone, through, you know, I, I did six years with the Navy. And, um, you know, I think that that was something I was really bad at. Uh, and, mm. and not just with like the obvious things. Cause I think it's, you know, there's some things that it's easy to ask for help on, you know, how, Hey, how, you know, how did you move your car? How did you ship your car? And, uh, but some of that, you know, that, that internal uh, dialogue that you wrestle with, that can be really difficult. And, you know, I've seen a lot of, you know, really hard stories with that. And I think, well, tell, that, tell me a little bit more about that dialogue, uh, Michael, like what is, what is, what was that like for you? Like if you can get specific, cause I think it'd be very helpful to hear you know, like, uh, was it trouble? Was it difficult for you to ask for help in the beginning or and what oh, was getting time. in the way? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, like, you know, describe I, that. I think it was, you know, I think I, it was probably predominantly centered around pride maybe, and, and maybe go. just, uh, it may, you know, maybe ignorance too. And, 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 mm. uh, lack of awareness of like, you know, the fact that, Hey, you're not, you know, so unique that no one else has been through this, that to, you know, actually raise your hand and say, Hey, I'm struggling with, and I can't actually think of anything right now, but I definitely know that like there were, you know, there were instances where, you know, I would, I would bottle it up, clam it up and, you know, just try to kind of, you know, shuffle my way through. And, uh, you know, you, you definitely don't have to do that. You know, there's, I think there's tons of wise men and women that have come before that have said, you know, don't do life alone. We're not meant to do life alone. And like you were saying, uh, you know, whether you're calling it networking or collaboration, which I love, by the way, thanks for that, <laughs> uh, collaboration, you know, and, and we were taught that. So I think that learning, but, but and here and here, I think here's the you know I wrote this down. Uh, even though we were taught how to do these things on active duty, you have to learn to do this a little different now 
on the other side. And that means practice. So, you know, like practice asking for help, you know, you know, taking, taking small steps, you guys emphasize that it's a process. And, mm -hmm. you know, one thing that I've always believed uh, is, you know, any process, the hardest part is the first step in getting started. So, um, yeah. you know, so take opportunities to, to ask for help uh, and, and also, you know, and, and give it back out once you're in that position. So, uh, but hey, you guys are awesome, by the way. Just want to let you guys know that I found I found y'all through uh, Mission Six Zero and been listening to uh, John's Beautiful. stuff through that. And uh, I, I just I love what you guys are doing, and especially this interactive thing. So keep it up, yeah. please. Well, no, yeah, thank you. And and uh, one more question, Michael. Like, if you remember, like, when was that um, pivotal moment where things started to change for you when you kind of get get away from that pride and became vulnerable and asked for help? Was there a particular moment or like a? I'm just curious. Yeah, for me, it was definitely like life became too much to handle. It was a little too overwhelming. Uh, right, right after getting out, we bought our our first house. Uh, you know, and we kind of sort of had a clue, right? Like we had like financial classes, and we even did like a, a Dave Ramsey thing. And I know that you know there's different trains of thought on all this, but you know we had some education. But uh, doing it is something totally different. And I don't think yeah. we really had great people walking through that. But then we got pregnant. Uh, and you know, that was, it was just a lot. And I mean, I kind of had like, you know, kind of that, uh, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't immovable or anything, but, uh, I mean, I was definitely overwhelmed and that was like, you know what, I can't freaking do this. And I just got to admit it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's like the first step is just admitting that there is a problem right? <laughs> or, yeah. or that you need yep. help. Yep. Right. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, all right. Thank you for sharing, Michael. I appreciate that. I appreciate um, it. Uh, oh, yeah, thanks, thanks for thank joining you. us, Michael. Great stuff, man. Good to see you here. Absolutely. Um, hey, let's go with uh, Megan. How are you today? Thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you, John and Will. Joe is here with me. Hey, guys. Thanks for thanks hey, for having Joe. us on. Yeah. Um, speaking from the military spouse angle, um, he was in for 33 years and I was with him for 30 of it. And wow. one thing that I don't think um, I've heard anybody talk about, and I found this to be really interesting for us or for me in particular, how do you decide where to live? So the military took us to all these different places and, you know, it wasn't our choice. We didn't choose where we landed. And although we loved most of the places that we, we were stationed, when you finally get out, how do you make that choice? Like that was a really hard thing um, to really figure out where did we want to be um, and what was that going to look like? And then the other thing from my perspective is it did take a little bit longer than I had anticipated um, to kind of transition out of my role um, as a military spouse and into the civilian sector. And what comes along with that is when you move from place to place, you know, luckily for me, I, as a yoga instructor and as a dance instructor, I was able to always kind of do that. Um, but then I like to say our, my big girl job, like I didn't have anything on my resume. I didn't have any kind of recent things to speak to. And so it's just pretty amazing what Joe and I are doing now together at the Forge School that I have, I'm able to put this on my resume now. So it definitely wasn't a linear transition. Um, There's definitely twists and turns that we both tackled together, but I feel really grateful that we were able to do it together and we had such a strong team, he and I together. I'm sure Joe has some light he'd like to shine on that. Yeah, yeah, please. Let me just cut in really quick. Um, I just want to say that uh, we are having Joe and Megan uh, Barnard on, on um, Men Talking Mindfulness uh, November 19th. Uh, this season, um, and they're working with uh, teaching boys healthy coping skills. 
Um, so yeah, I'm glad to have you both here with us today, and I'm glad we're going to be on the sh- you're going to be on the show with us on uh, November 19th. We have you booked. So, uh, Joe, yeah, hey, welcome, and Megan, thanks for sharing. Yeah, you're welcome. Right on. Thank you. Yeah, you're we welcome. look forward to that. It's uh, it's going to be fun talking with you guys. Big fan of you guys, and and so happy to connect with John as he was transitioning. I transitioned in 2016. We did, and uh, yeah, it's it's unique. I think the biggest thing I found out. Um, I'll, I'll say this, you know, getting advice inside the military on what civilian life is, that's, that's sort of not, not the way to go because they don't know. Something unique, some, something unique about the military is you could have E4s that are good with their money and you could have O6s that are terrible with it on their third divorce, living by themselves, that type of stuff. So mm. be careful on who's giving you financial advice. Mm. Um, civilian companies absolutely need your leadership and problem solving. But you Love have that. to bring you have to bring in understanding their terminology of EBITDA and accounts payable and accounts receivable and invoicing and change orders and and sort of how their processes work. If you can't affect their bottom line, then why would they bring you on? And so, mm-hmm. you know, me, I didn't do a USA jobs. I wanted to be a pure civilian. I wanted to grow my hair out. I wanted to continue to skydive and surf and <laughs> and do that type be of be a job. hippie. <laughs> yeah, man. Kidding. Yeah, pass left. I heard. I heard you pass left. <laughs> I'm glad somebody picked up on that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah, man. Even though I, even though I don't do that stuff, if one came my way, I'd pass it left. No problem. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Yeah. If, if I do go that route, I think I'm going to be the gummy bear guy. So. Oh yeah, fun. gummies are good too, man. Yeah. I'll probably are... eat a leg and take a ride. <laughs> yeah. yeah, talk to John about that. Uh, he's, he's yeah, I, have my, I have my own personal story about that. <laughs> yeah. So when you know, absolutely exploit your network. You should have a civilian network. I used LinkedIn and networking. Like, forget the cover letters, forget the resumes. Like, I could. I was in 05 getting out with 33 years. Of course, I could have anybody write my resume for me and all that. Once I heard dudes having 30 different resumes and writing 150 different cover letters, I'm like, screw that. It's I want. I want people to feel what I got going for them face to face over coffees and bourbons and lunches and so networking. and stuff like that. Yeah. So you got to network, but you got to network with people who could give you a job, not people in the military, you know? So it's, you got to develop your civilian network. So you have to do that three to four years out before you get out. And that's on LinkedIn is just an amazing, amazing tool to do that. And then have a specific ask. If you're going to have a discovery conversation, good for you, but, if you knew what geography, what industry, what company, what position up and down a couple, like what I tell dudes all the time is if you want to work for SpaceX, okay, your geography is going to be Cocoa Beach or Hawthorne, California. Then if you really want to work there, go there, start sweeping the floors. And if you have the ability to be the director there, they're going to recognize that and, and move you up. And so yeah. the more information and details you could give these amazing civilians that want to help you out because they appreciate the service that you had. Um, for the country, just be more specific. If you just say, I just want to lead teams and do good for people, they're going to be like, eh, okay. But, you know, they're not sure what to do with that associated with their network. So yeah. that's it. Yeah, you bring up a great point. No, thank you, um, uh, Joe and Megan. Uh, and I have one more question for you, Megan. But uh, what, what I'd like to say is like, yes, ask for help. But, Joe, you bring up a great point. Be specific, right? Which is like, I mean, what is the very specific ask that you have? Um, uh, again, you're not, you're not wasting your time. You're not wasting other people's time. You're getting clear, which is so important. And that's a big part of like mindfulness is like intention. 
Um, mm -hmm. And then another thing I want to say is like also what you said, Joe, is working two to three years out before your transition, which it sounds like, you know, instead of waiting the last three months or six months, it's like, you know, how has that helped you to get where you are today? It's like, you know, with your networking and stuff, like really looking two to three years before you leave the, the service. Yeah, well, the tough part is inside. Like, I was on command tracks. I commanded several times and all that. You know, they wanted to make me an 06. You really can't let – the system still today isn't inside where you can let people know what your desires are. But you don't have to share everything. You're not a ward of whatever service you're in. So you just got to – if you have a certain date, like, we're going to become empty nesters, and we were very purposeful with our calendar and what we wanted to do and, and all that. So it's just you don't have to share everything on inside. But you definitely have to start reaching out, discovering industries you want to be part of, discovering uh, companies you want to be part of, geographies that you may think you want to live based on family or all that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you have got to start three years out. You have to. Yeah. I mean, I imagine that that's a kind of the, uh, one of the pieces for success, you know, is, is really prepping early. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for Joe. That's great insight. And uh, go ahead. I, go ahead I'd go ahead, love John. to jump in. Uh, yeah. So Joe, Joe actually was one of the first people that I started reaching out to when I started transitioning. And he's got this fantastic uh, product that he put together, basically called the homeostasis of transition that he sent me. And it has like step by step what you can do, what you should expect to see, what you should expect to do, what you should expect to experience as you're going through military transition. It was powerful. So I'm very thankful for that. And Joe, you're mm -hmm. spot on working, working well in advance. Um, I had a mentor of mine tell me two years before I left the military that I needed to start networking. And I thought, I was like, what? Two years? That's, that's forever. This is going to, this is going to take, you know, six months to do that, the transition. I don't need to start working two years in advance, but I was way wrong. That two years evaporated in no time. And I was very thankful that I had started working not only to network, but also again, coming back to finding out who you are outside of uniform. Before I actually hung up the uniform for the last time, I knew who I was outside of uniform. And I thought that was an incredibly important part. And if I had not started doing that work two years in advance, I would have gone into an industry or a profession or a job that was not right for me. And I wasn't right for it. So uh, absolutely start working early. Uh, can't, can't say that enough. And I see some other great friends up here on stage Karen, I'll tell you, you're severely outnumbered by Navy, and we've got some Air Force in here too. So uh, I hope you guys are comfortable working around the Navy. Well, yeah. One thing I'll say is, um, Joe, if you would, uh, I would love to share your whatever that the homeostasis thing that John was talking about on our website and in our community as well, because I think you know it sounds like it's, it's it was helpful. So I'd love to help more people. And you know, one one more question, Megan. Uh, you mentioned uh, about finding your place. Um, what was your recipe for success or what helped you find the right place? Um, cause I think that sounds like, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I love their, you know, I'm, I'm a civilian, you know, I've always determined where I go and what I want to do instead of like being like, Hey, you're over here for a year, or six months or, you know, traveling the world with the military. So what was the, uh, what helped you find your place? Yeah. So, um, we were stationed in South Georgia and we had gone down to Neptune beach. I'll keep the story pithy we had gone down to neptune beach all the time and we loved it there it felt a really great vibe there it's a, a foodie community a yoga community a beach community we loved it so mm. because i followed him around we made the decision together yes we're going to plant roots in jacksonville beach area 
Um, and so I really started working on my, my yoga business. I was running yoga retreats. I was teaching a lot of pop-up events. I was doing mindfulness and meditation retreats, really enjoying the community down there. Um, and then Joe was looking for a job and then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, my job dried up uh, pretty much. And so at that time, Joe was between jobs and I told him, just open up your aperture, even though we're living here and we both decided we're going to plant roots here. It doesn't seem like that's in the cards for us now. And the next day his headhunter had, you know, called him and that that's what took us here to the Forge School in Chattanooga. But that's what's interesting about life. And I don't know, I've always kind of tried to live the best I can in the moment and try not to control the uncontrollable. We had never been to Chattanooga and we just bought our forever house. We absolutely love it. And so it just worked out. We're right where we're supposed to be. And you just got to love the universe for that. Yeah. Congratulations on finding that space. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, thanks. No, beautiful. Yeah. Thanks for your shares, both of you. And um, uh, Karen, uh, how are you? It's good to, good to uh, I'm going to hear your voice in a second. <laughs> <laughs> I am surrounded, surrounded by Navy dudes. Uh, but Will, you, you make me feel safe. You ground me. Um, I got you, Karen. I got your back. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so just a little bit about me. So I retired at the end of 2019 after 25 years in the Army. And um, I love the insight that I'm hearing here. I, I love talking about this, uh, launching a nonprofit to support transitioning military and elite athletes together very soon. And, um, and I love what Joe was saying about and John, you were saying early on, you know, as early as you uh, could potentially prepare, I do find, have found that there is, um, it depends on the environment you're in, you know. Uh, I know personally, uh, I only started prepping probably six months out from my retirement because I was in a job in the military that just was relentless and uh and sometimes you preparing yourself for what comes next is kind of seen by the culture of the military where it's give more and it's all about selfless service is seen as selfish so it's really hard and joe you kind of hit on that a little bit when you were saying hey you know you have to kind of keep your intentions a secret for a while and and that's, that's just one of the challenges, one of the bigger challenges that does exist as you're preparing to retire or just leave the service. Um, another thing that... Well, Karen, really quick. Yeah, Karen, where does, where does that come from? Like, where does that, you know, that, uh, you know, I'd imagine you want to help your other brother, especially when they're facing uh, such a, a big life change. Like, where does that kind of um, uh, attitude come from? Yeah. That's so fa that's a great question. I love the way you asked that too because you would you would think so maybe and it's something a lot of us kind of take for granted and we're so immersed in and you don't realize sometimes it exists within the culture, the military culture until you're leaving. And what it is and and there are times when when I was much younger and uh in the military I remember thinking, you know, seeing leaders leave and in a way I kind of saw it as like, I hate to say it, but naive standpoint as like a betrayal, you know, that they're leaving us because there's a brother and sisterhood and we're all in this together. 
and um and it's kind of and so when you make that decision i know the perception is often you know there's a term we have in the army i don't know if you guys have it <clears throat> it's road it's retired on active duty and it's it just is a reflection of that um you know that feeling that people have for people who are for those who are preparing to leave the military uh, while they're still on active duty and it's, um, it sounds like a scarlet letter or something like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's an, it's not, I mean, now don't get me wrong. It doesn't exist. It's not, um, there are places like John was in an environment and sounds like Joe was in an environment where you could prepare. And, uh, but for, I know my experience was in the last few months, I was being harassed for not being in the office. And yeah, and it's just it's it's an unfortunate reality. That's just it. And it's it's that kind of moving toward, you know, kind of thinking of self and what's next for you by thinking of, you know, the team and the mission and that, you know, and that also reinforces kind of that um, advice that Joe provided where. You don't want to ask those on active duty what's next for you because they're so blinded by the current mm. mission. And that's and that's understandable. It's a big mission. There's a lot to do to support it. That's your world. And then yeah. um, so I remember going through a hard time and asking one of my best friends, you know, for assistance and he could not get it. Wow. Um, I remember him actually saying to me, like, you know, you've done A, B and C. I don't get it just you know he was kind of trying that tough love with me and it wasn't working (laughs) yeah but but you know because he didn't get it and you have to look externally and that's hard because like you said will we always look to each other for that support yeah and now and now it's not it's not really there and and Mm. the other challenge is and i've said this before but we talk about the power of vulnerability and saying you know hey i need help here and for me, when I transitioned, and I didn't expect this, I had a really rough time emotionally, psychologically. Mm. I went to a dark place. Mm. And, and the thing that fed that was in the military, often when we are vulnerable, we are considered to be a liability to the team. Wow. And, and that's a challenge we have uh, in the military. And, mm. um, but as you're coming out, these are learned ways of dealing with things. And I had, you know, when I was trying to figure out my value, and I see this with a lot of military and athletes, figuring out your value to the civilian world, right? Um, It kind of translates not just your value in like, you know, kind of, uh, you know, a, uh, you know, kind of an exchange for services, services, money, that kind of thing. It's, It's not that um, that's simple. What it starts to translate to for a lot of us is worth. What is our worth? And that's where mm-hmm. shame comes in. And worth uh, around money or, or no worth, okay. worth as an individual. So that that value when it comes to money and exchange of services and that kind of thing starts turning translating because you don't know how you fit in and right. uh, and you don't have that team with you anymore. And so that question of value to the workforce uh, starts to translate to um, 
that that starts to translate to worth as a as a human almost you know yeah. and yeah. and we see a lot of shame i experienced it myself like you know every time you fell short of should in the military you know there's there's a gap there and there's shame that grows in that and yeah. so so yeah so it's you know one of the things that um on the other side and i i know i realize i've been talking a lot so i'm going to it's okay <laughs> pare it down here but um, ultimately, um, what a lot of us experience is, um, on the other side, we have this clarity, you know, once we've gone through kind of the more difficult elements of transition, um, we have a clarity that comes and, and that's, that's amazing. Um, but when we talk to those transitioning out, there's certain language that could be a turnoff and that vulnerability I've found is, mm. is often, using the term vulnerability is often a turnoff too. It's you have to back it into vulnerability by using words like courage and things yeah. like that. It's really, it's a fascinating transition from one culture to another. And there are certain things that, um, that are important to bridge that gap. And, uh, and you know, some of that is, it, it's definitely the collective having people to lean on and to have those conversations. And that's what changed the game for me is yeah. being able to talk to other veterans and then athletes about the transition, the difficulty, and then mm -hmm. seeing that they were experiencing the same and there was nothing wrong with me. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Again, community, but you know, uh, it, it comes into play, you know, and talking and networking and, and being open. Uh, so yeah, thank you, Karen. Uh, beautiful. Hey, Will, uh, yeah, go be, ahead. Be, yeah. Before we jump to the next person, I just want to mention how, like how Karen and I met and why why oh, she yeah. talked about the athletes a little bit. This is Karen and I went through this program called Tuck Next Step. It's at Dartmouth. It's their business school. They they run a ten day program for transitioning service members and transitioning elite athletes. Um, so there's a lot of commonalities there, right? The transition from the military and the transition from elite athlete. You may not think it right off the bat, but we have both been hyper-focused on one thing most of our adult lives. And these uh, Olympic and elite athletes, they've been focused, hyper-focused on something basically their entire lives from when they were able to swim, from when they, able, when they were able to run, from when they, they were able to start shooting a basketball. Um, and now they have to go and transition from what they know into the civilian sector and do business and do real estate and do whatever. And it's completely new to them. Anyway, we went through this program together and we, we all bonded the military and these transitioning athletes at first day one, you've got all the military on one side of the room. You've got all these gold medalists, <laughs> Olympics uh, athletes on the other <laughs> so side of the true. room. And, and we're like, there's this mutual admiration, but also a kind of a, a you know, why do, why do you need to be in this program? You're elite athletes. And uh, then you start talking and uh, we like, we're forced to intermingle. Like you sit next to an athlete if you're a military member and vice versa. And you're like, okay, so you're a gold medalist. You know, in, in my mind, like a gold medalist is a millionaire, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's so not true. So not true. They are actually afforded far less opportunities than we are at the military. There is, you know, 80,000 nonprofits that are out there to support military members and veterans mm. and there are not that many nonprofits that support the transitioning athletes because we all in our minds think well they're transitioning athletes they've got it made yeah. they don't um, wow. so it's pretty powerful to, to sit down and talk with them and and karen is actually developing a nonprofit that does just that 
helps these transitioning service members and transitioning athletes. So I just want to put a quick plug in there for you, sister. And uh, now I'll shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I'll go. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I got, we have, uh, I'm going to go to in a moment, I'm going to go to Matt and then Kristen and then Teresa. But one thing I want to throw out there for the group is a message that I received on the men talking mindfulness Instagram, um, a private message. And it's from, uh, one of our fellow listeners. And he says, I had, and still struggle with my transition. I think my biggest problem was the loss of my identity as a uh, corpsman uh, slash diving medical tech for the teams as well as others and feel my life has less meaning now. So uh, this is like, oh, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there um, for us to kind of maybe we can munch on that a little bit. But uh, Matt Myers, hey, thank you for your patience. Um, welcome to the green room. You can. Uh... Hey, Will, I, I, I got a text from Matt saying he dropped oh. off. It shows that he's still there, but I think he may have dropped off. So, OK, no yeah. worries. Hey, Kristen, uh, Kristen, I see all your messages on on, uh, uh, on LinkedIn and your comments and stuff like that. I'm so excited to hear your voice. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Nice to meet you, Will. Thank you, Kristen. Same. Hi, John. Hello. 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 Um, well, I was not going to talk on this because um, I'm a little shy about this stuff. But um, <laughs> we can't see you, Kristen. We can't see you. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have not much here today. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know, Karen, you really resonated with me. I really appreciate that, um, what you're talking about. And uh, I retired after 20 years um, in 2018. And when people asked me, you know, that question, uh, well, what are you going to do? What do you want to do next? And all I could say was, I just wanted to find my joy. I just want to be happy. Like, wow. that's all I could figure out. Like, I know what form that looked like. I didn't know how to get there. And, um, and it was a struggle. It's been a struggle. The first few years were, the first year was unsurmountably difficult at times. Well, how many and, years out? How many years are you out now, Kristen? I'm sorry if I missed Three that. years now. Three years. Okay. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really has only been within the last six months that I have finally felt like um, I got this, you know, like, okay, like, this is what this is. And that last podcast, you guys talked about the unknown, my gosh, like, seriously, I was fearful of the known, but at the same time, I was craving it. Mm. And, um, and then I got it. And I was like, Oh, crap, this is hard. And, um, and one of the things, uh, you know, to be very vulnerable on this one that I should have done a long time ago in the military, I tried to do, but did not have any success with was mental health counseling. Mm. And, um, so in, uh, 2000, uh, my first ship was USS Cole when we got hit and, you know, this is before the wars broke out and stuff. And there just was no talk of PTSD. In fact, like if anybody at that point from the crew had any signs of symptoms of PTSD, they were removed from the the crew and put over a TP, which is like a temporary unit. And most of them were processed out. I had just gotten picked up for officer. So that was not an option for me. And yeah. for the 20 years after that, like I just bared my hair head down and like, felt a a very driven purpose um, involving Middle Eastern stuff, um, mostly driven from a place of love and compassion, honestly. Mm -hmm. And, um, and found myself often very alone in some of that stuff. So when John brought up about, um, 
you know, some of the the war sucks stuff in the last podcast that really resonated with me. Yeah, like the bad guys and the enemy. Yeah, and, you know what really was like, re- and, and so it wasn't until after the episode that um, when John was talking about, well, he has his target. He has his target. I'm like, I'm like, target. Like, are you gonna? Is it a building? Is it like oh, whatever? A like a pole? Right. Yeah. And look at how they dehumanize. Yeah. You know. So it's no longer like, oh, there is like a human being over there. No, it's a target. So yeah. I thought that language is very interesting. But yeah, yeah, please keep going. Thank you. Um. So um, I just I had such a very unique experience on the coal where um I had a very positive experience with one of the local Yemenis women there. So I never had hate in my heart, but I Mm. did have a deep sense of purpose and that drove me for 20 years. Um, And and at the root of it was always protecting, protecting those around me. Mm. Um, And so leaving the service was there, that's gone. There's like no, no more of that, which in one hand it was killing me, you know, like it was eating at my soul every day. But on the other hand, I had no idea what that meant for the next part. So I just tried on a bunch of different stuff. I tried training dogs. Um, I walk dogs. I went off on some RV adventures. Like I just kind of just did me reconnected with friends. I did an internship on a flower farm last year, which um, while you guys have been talking, I've been cutting up zinnia seeds by the way is that um, is that a picture of you and your apiarist are you, you uh, is that uh, a bee suit you have on yes there's a couple <laughs> hives there yeah awesome yeah so it's just um and then i started going to counseling at the va back in my hometown in kernsville north carolina in february which has been weekly and then started doing group about a month ago and then i have this amazing coach um that I talked to every two weeks and it really was on quite honestly, like last week and maybe even yesterday, which felt like, um, things are just different now. Yeah. They're just different. And mm. it took three years, you know, to get there to the point mm. where I'm, I'm finally like, I'm at peace, you know? And, yeah. and just, and you know, y'all's podcast is awesome. Cause I, you know, I, John talked about, you know, I met John in the Navy and, and he talked about mindfulness and meditation. I cannot meditate to save my life. I just am way too fidgety for that stuff. <laughs> not yet. Not yet, Kristen. Not, oh, gosh. You know, you know, I got to say it starts, it starts by just sitting still for five minutes. Yeah. But anyway, right. Um, yeah. But the act of mindfulness is just like that, getting that in a state of flow. Man, mm. I love flow like nobody's business. And it has been so helpful. So um that's my transition story i don't really ever see myself you know working a corporate job um i'd rather be an entrepreneur just try to figure it out and honestly i'm not even driven by money anymore and that was one of my hang-ups from our culture was that i Mm. have to produce and i have to make money in order to be successful and to be a contributor and that's not true wow well, thank you. And it's like, you know, but you really, it sounds like you really slugged it out for like two and a half years oh, yeah. to get to this point three years later. It's like, but, but you're, but it's like, it's like, I think what's important or the, what, the value of what you're kind of bringing here is like, just keep trying, keep knocking at the door, you know, keep trying different things. Like, don't be afraid to, 
you know, again, I guess to be vulnerable and put yourself in a situation or offer grace. Uh, I offer learned how gra- to finally yeah. offer grace to myself. There right? you go. Well, that's a big one. Huge. So yeah, it was huge. And you know, like I even found myself at Burning Man, like, holy crap. There you <laughs> so, go. <laughs> so there was just, it was just, it wasn't, it was never the destination. It's always just been the journey. Wow. So, yeah. That's a, that's some great wise, right? Great words to kind of step off stage, Kristen. Thank you so much. John, what do you got? Uh, I was just going to say like, Will, I know you and I, mentioned potentially doing a podcast episode or something from burning man at one point yeah yeah i mentioned, yeah, I mentioned that to Kristen, and Kristen was like oh there's there's rules at burning man <laughs> you need to be careful about what you do and don't do there's uh she sent me this whole book so it may not happen but at some point will and i will find ourselves out at burning man whether or not we do a podcast that would make yeah, some we'll, speed, we'll make but... some vi- good videos john we'll make <laughs> some right, really good a, right. pass, a passing left i'm just kidding it is, <laughs> right? yes let me tell you even if you don't even if you don't do the podcast yeah go just oh we're gonna go we're gonna go it is it was mind-blowing it was like the most freedom i have ever seen in my entire life but yet there's still Mm -hmm. structure you know right right so it was it was incredible go go wow yeah thank you Kristen. um so dr t what's up Teresa larson uh you want are you out there can you uh there you go hey what's going on everybody can you guys hear me okay you sound great thanks for joining us yeah. Well, um, I would say the the military transition was kind of like my morning, just very chaotic. Mm. <laughs> um, I My house is in boxes right now. And um, so I'm literally moving homes. And so my home doesn't really feel like a home. Um, and uh, it's there's just always stuff going on with kids and travel and work. So I I've I've learned though, I've come to a place where I've learned that how to kind of live in this beautiful chaos, see it as a beautiful chaos versus like push up, push against it. Mm. And if I were to describe um, my transition, I, I definitely pushed against it a lot, like the change and the, the shift that I had to make quickly. And that's where I suffered the most. And now when chaos and shifts and changes happen, it's like, all right, let's, let's surf it. Let's figure it out. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I, I don't want to actually talk, tell the story of my transition necessarily, other than to say, like, it was, my focus wasn't on finding a job. It was on getting my health back mm-hmm. and, and finding in, in what ways, what, what do you mean health? Like what, uh, so my, yeah, like I, I was, um, a Marine officer and struggled with an eating disorder. Um, oh. but I, I had, you know, on paper and my job, like I did everything that I got to do everything a Marine officer, a Marine would want to do. Um, I was serving in combat before women were even acknowledged about serving in combat. And wow. I led, led a platoon and convinced my uh, battalion commander that I would lead my platoon in combat. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, um, I even worked with female insurgents out in Iraq. And yet wow. I struggled with this disease um, all along. And I didn't want to tell anyone. And I kept it a secret because quite frankly, I didn't respect it. I didn't see it as a problem. Mm. Um, and so the ask the speaking up and asking for help and finally getting the help was very much an uphill battle. Um, and so, but the, the, the point is, is I decided to take that battle. I decided to fight it. And every step of the way, despite the disappointment that people had around me or the rumors or whatever, right? It was just 
I knew I had to just keep pushing forward. And the, the, the people that helped me do that were those, you know, Brene Brown talks about those five people. I had five people around me who I could lean on to say, you're going to be okay. You can do this. A couple were in the Marine Corps, my father who was alive at the time, my oldest brother. Um, and, and that's kind of what helped me through my transition and to get the help I needed and to advocate for myself to get the help I needed. Right. Um, so, you know, the, I think for me, well, the moment I had asked for help, which was in my final year as a Marine officer deployed was when I, I actually started to take ownership of my own health versus put everyone else first. Mm. And that led me down this path of, okay, what do I have to do to get my head straight and my heart straight? And get myself mm. on a path where each day I wake up and I, I choose happiness. I choose mm. my health. And I'm around people and doing the things that fill me up. Yeah. Um, and so um, that, was, that was a journey. And it took, took many years. But I would say, <laughs> you know, without going into too much detail, it was, it was a very, it was one of the hardest times in my life. But it brought mm. some of the most beautiful, um, uh, if you will, kind of nirvana type moments of like, aha, like I'm, I, I had to go through that hardship to get to where I am now working with amazing people, doing amazing work, the education mm. I always wanted to have, mm. getting to do the things that I woke up dreaming about at one point in my life. And um, it just took time. And one of the biggest transition uh, mindsets that had to take place was reframing my story about myself. Wow. Yeah. You know, just because, and Nate, you mentioned that man who had messaged you, man or woman, mm -hmm. over Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we are just, you know, my, as a Marine officer getting out um, the way I did, I'm still a badass Marine officer. <laughs> that disease, that disease didn't make any, make me any less of a person. Your right. missing limb or your traumatic brain injury or your depression doesn't make you any less of a person. But I had to take a path to learn that and, right. and, and reframe that story of what I was telling myself mm -hmm. because I was telling myself I wasn't good enough and I didn't rate being a Marine anymore. And what is this disease? I, you know, only rich white girls supposedly have it, which is so not true. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, uh, you know, it's some of the most high performing individuals in our, in our country have addiction. Yeah. And so to be able to kind of start to understand scientifically what was happening, what was going on inside me, as well as accept that and re reframe my story like I am still me. I'm still I'm just a struggling me. And how do I help mm. that? I need to like be present to it. And you know what? My role, my servant leadership that I experienced that I was in the Marine Corps hasn't changed. I'm still that same servant leader. Now, I'm just not in the Marine Corps anymore. I'm now a former Marine, and I'm very proud to be a former Marine, and I'm very proud to have worked with who I did, because actually, my Marines stuck up for me, mm. and um, they're still, you know, I still keep in touch with a lot of them to this day, and um, so that's, you know, I don't want to go, I like, I could go, I could, I could probably talk all day about this, but I think the big one maybe y'all could want to hear today is the story, reframing your story about yourself. Yeah. Like yeah. you are a good, talented, unique person and you are infinite possibility. And mm. that doesn't change. You know, your role, your role of being a leader and a servant doesn't change. It just looks different now. Right. And so that's I'm done talking. And no, yeah. Thank you, Teresa. I'll, yeah. I'll just 
I'll just add in, uh, you know, once a Marine, always a Marine, right? <laughs> no such thing as a former Marine. <laughs> a Marine veteran is what I'm going to call you. But, yeah, thanks for all that. And it's uh, great to have you on the show. Thank you for your strength and vulnerability and, and mm-hmm. your helping to serve others continuing forward. Love what you're doing. Love what we're doing together. And love what Man Talking Mindfulness and Dr. T are going to be doing together soon. So, word. Uh, uh, yeah, and it's like, again, uh, you just bring it up. It's like finding, I guess what you're kind of speaking of, Teresa, is finding your true identity. You know, who am I outside of the military? And um, yeah, thanks for bringing that up again. And again, the elements are asking for help, being vulnerable, like we've been keep, uh, like we've been talking about. Um, next, we have uh, Clint. Uh, thanks for your patience. You're welcome, Teresa. Thank Clint. How are we doing out there? Hey, well, I'm good. Uh, good morning, everyone. <laughs> good morning. Good morning for me out in the Northwest. Uh, i guess i could offer a unique perspective uh i'm still on active duty and i actually i'm I'm going up for my second dd 214 i was uh kicked out of the navy in 2004 and i found a loophole to get back in so i went through that transitioning process as a very young junior officer and it was it was awful Mm. uh i think they called it it was TAPS back then. I think it's TGPS now. It, basically, they teach you how to write a resume, and Men's Warehouse comes in and tells you what to where to an interview. Wow. And I just – What uh, was awful it, about it? Go a little bit more, Clint, if you can. What was awful? It, it, I think it focused more on finding a job, not coping with a tra- that, that milestone transition in life. Right. I, I don't yeah. think it – and, you know – I'm sure that they take a lot of pride in their program and they think it's great. But uh, from my perspective, it didn't really scratch that itch. So mm-hmm. I, I tried one of those corporate headhunters because the entire, and, and John can probably vouch for this the entire time you're at the Naval Academy. They're like, Oh yeah, the alumni association will help you find a job. Don't worry about it. Just go do your thing. Yeah. And so I tried that and I, I can't even make this up. The guy called me and he said, Hey, I found you a job in Ohio selling cheese to hospitals. Wow. <laughs> cheese. You said, you said cheese. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to be a cheese salesman to, to hospitals in Ohio. And you know, I, I just got at the time I was waiting tables in Pensacola. I didn't want to be in the military anymore. So I just, that's what I did, but I found a loophole back in. So mm. that was my, that was my first transition. So I'm, it was weird. I was listening to you guys as uh, uh, live the other day about John's one year and it kind of, it, it was, it hit me where like, wow, I've actually been in the military longer than I haven't. And it was just, mm-hmm. it, it was like one of those moments where you're like, Oh, this, this is for real. This is, this is happening. Um, mm-hmm. And it, the one thing I'm, I don't really know where the transition was, but, and you just, you guys just talked about it is finding your identity because right. for the longest time, like from, you know, when I was 18, they sit you down, shave your head, take all your street clothes, give you all the uniforms. You don't have to worry about what to wear. You just read the schedule, what you have to do. And that's it. You, you kind of, you kind of fall in line with the military mindset. And I don't know where that transition happened to where uh, the realizing that the military didn't define me. It was yeah, I, more shaping me into developing the, you know, all the deployments done with uh, all over the AORs and the different perspective that I have now 
that I can somehow use uh, once I retire. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing as you're speaking about this, uh, Clint, and I feel like the way that you're being in that program being kind of looked at is just objectively. It's like, you know, what are your skills? What can you do? How can you serve the masses and get a job? Right. Whereas I think I feel and what I'm hearing from a lot of people, it's like it's that subjective self. It's like, who am I and what do I want to do with the person that I am instead of just being like, uh, you know, getting a paycheck. And that's not easy. I mean, I've been I've been, you know, slugging it out for now. I'm in New York 18 years and I feel like it's the last, you know, maybe five years that things have gotten a little easier for me because I've defined myself in a very in, in a in an authentic and, and uh, like Teresa was saying, like loving and graceful and humbling way. And now I feel I can do whatever I want because I know who I am and I know what matters to me. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, you're, you're spot on right there. And one of the things that the military that, you know, I'm sure some people have taken for, uh, for granted, but not, not once have I had to ever worry about a medical bill or mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry where my next meal was coming from while I was on deployment or where I was living or, or anything like that. So I know it sounds kind of weird, but having to actually uh, adult to you know to be a grown-up <laughs> adulting to figure that stuff out, yeah, <laughs> to, to that stuff out. and it, i mean that that creates a little bit of anxiety but there's there's little bits and pieces throughout that are going to compound uh once we get out uh so yeah. i i think now you know having that having that perspective and that uh i forget who said it the other day or earlier about having grace once you get out just be patient with the process yeah. and Mm. figure out what will work for you yeah and that's a big part of mindfulness and meditation is like developing that grace developing that patience sitting with yourself being okay with where you are because the only place you can be and that's where you grow from john what do you got yeah i just wanted to jump on what you had mentioned there will about the the objectifying versus the subjective side of things um a lot of people will look at what you did in the military and they'll say well you were X, Y, or Z in the military. Those skills translate exactly to X, Y, or Z in the civilian sector. And uh, Google, <laughs> Google screwed this up so bad. They they had a, uh, I think they may even still have this, but basically a military transition calculator, for lack of a better term, right now. But you would put in 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 this Google search, <laughs> you would say, "Hey, I am a Navy SEAL officer." Right. I would obviously that's my my job. That's what I would put in there and it would spit out. Okay, well, that's what you did in the military. These are the jobs that you can do on the civilian sector. (laughs) I was like, wow, Google, uh, I can be a restaurant manager. I can be this. I can be that. Like, well, (laughs) there's a lot more that I can do. It's not just tied to my military occupational specialty. MOS, that's what we call it. Will. Uh, Mm -hmm. that's that that doesn't necessarily dictate what I want to do on the outside. Just because I served in the military doing X, Y, or Z for 20 years, that doesn't mean I want to continue to do X, Y, or Z on the outside. I want to redefine my life. I want to find out what I want to do that is not militarily related. I want to do something completely different. Mm -hmm. And there are people who, you know, hey, God bless them. If If they get out and that's what they want to do, they want to do the exact same job outside of uniform that they were doing inside of uniform, more power to them as long as they've done the work to find out what that is that they want to do and mm. what that is is doing the same work hey that's yeah. that's great um we, we call it we call it uh you know some people will literally come to work on a friday 
in uniform, go home for the weekend. They will retire on that Friday, go home for the weekend, and then come back and do that exact same job, literally, in the same building for the same organization, retired as a civilian. And that's not me. That's not what I want to do. But, hey, again, more power to them for those who do. Um, anyway, now I'm rambling, and <laughs> I, know, uh, I see some other folks up on stage that probably yeah. want to talk. Yeah, we have another. Yeah, thank you, John. Um, we have another uh, Clint, Clint Musgrove. Is that uh, right? Thanks for joining us, Clint. Are you there? Hey, Will. Yeah, what's up, man? Um, glad, glad to have a fellow Clint in the room. Yeah, I know. I don't know too many Clints. You know, it's <laughs> awesome to have two in the space, same time. Thanks for coming, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, if, if I touch on anything that someone's already said, I, I jumped on kind of late. Sorry about that. Oh, uh, good. But um, just wanted to to encourage Clint and some of the other folks that have, that have spoken on here that are going to go through transition. And uh, I also, I transitioned you know, back in 2013. And it was, uh, it was not a smooth transition, to say the least. And I think the, the biggest reason for that is that a lot of us coming from the military, it's funny, because we, <laughs> we have a lot of complaints when we're in, and we tend to look at things through rose colored glasses, uh, when we're out, right. And so for me, really managing my expectations, when I when I got out was a real problem for me and and just kind of kind of letting go and and having having that ability to um, kind of like Dr. T was saying to to disassociate to to keep all the benefits of the military all the all the skills that I acquired the the soft skills that I had the things that that translate into the civilian sector that can can serve me well while disassociating from the things like my identity being wrapped up completely in the army mm. and having this expectation that I'm just going to go into the workplace and I'm going to have all of these relationships that have taken me years to build and all the shared suffering that you go through to kind of build your tribe. And then when you, you lose that tribe, you know, it, it can really have a, a compounding effect on you and just how you see the world and, and is a real issue for service members that are transitioning. And so really getting to, to know yourself and, and what you want to do. And again, getting away from the money and all, all of these things that the civilian sector, the, the shiny things, you know, the big, yeah, the things that won't really bring you happiness, right? Exactly. And so really concentrating on, you know, being able to determine who you are outside of that military uh, service. And. Uh Oh, you cut out on us, Clint. We lost him. Oh, no. Wow. Sorry, Clint. There you go. Good. Clint, you got me? Yes. You're back. You're back. Did I cut out there? Just go back a sentence or two and you're good. Oh, just just knowing ourselves outside of the military and, you know, being able to translate that, uh, you know, with humility, while also it's kind of a dichotomy. I struggle with it myself, wanting to maintain that humility, but also knowing your worth and where you come from and where you should fit into the civilian sector. And and so, you know, one of the things that I would encourage Clint with is he's he's moving into the civilian sector. 
is take that time. Like they said, embrace that time. I think, Will, you nailed it with the mindfulness thing a minute ago, the advice that you gave mm. that really don't look at it as a burden. Don't look at it as a timer. Don't look at it as in a negative light. Yeah, more really, stress, right? I mean, that's not yeah. going to help anything. But just taking that time to, to take a breather and say, man, I've been at such a high tempo for so long. I need to just relax and mm. open some books, do some networking, and really figure out what it is that I want to do and, and why do I want to do that. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and I, think, I think a lot of us, uh, you know, you feel lonely when you get out, but you know, I jokingly told somebody the other day, it's like, you know, I felt like I had all these friends in the military, but when I look back, I think it was really just forced interaction, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're all up for PT, you know, and all that good stuff. I'm, I'm kidding, of course, but, <clears throat> but, uh, the, I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this and just saying that one thing that I personally struggled with, and I'd like to encourage everybody here with is the, the pride aspect of it. When we're coming into the civilian sector, it's really easy to look at things through a lens of, well, since I was in the military, everything else is easy. And that mm. is absolutely incorrect. And that was something, uh, something yeah. that I really, <laughs> really struggled with. And it, it actually, you know, kind of threw me off track a few times. Do I, John? Yeah. Uh, no, I was, I was just actually, uh, I, I didn't have anything to say, but I just typed in the chat there. That's a great point. As you get out, you've been wearing a uniform. You think that everything you've done is like the pinnacle of toughness. And I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a ton that we do in the military that is tough. And it translates to getting through and over some obstacles and adversity in the civilian sector. But there are plenty of people in the civilian sectors, sector that have overcome ob obstacles and adversity and uh, and there's plenty of adversity and obstacle to be overcome in the civilian sector. So, yeah. Spot yeah. And we also have a um, we have a we have an episode, one of our earlier episodes on pride. So, if you guys anyone want to kind of check that out, John and I talk about pride and you know um, what gets in the way and how it gets in the way. Um, maybe you can check that out. Uh, I know, John, you have to run in a couple minutes. I hope I can keep this going because I love to hear from Lauren. Um, but yeah, what's up, John? Yeah, no, absolutely. I just wanted to make sure we got Lauren up here. I, I see you're on stage, so I definitely yeah. want to hear. Great. Hey, thank you, Lauren. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me, and thanks, John, for inviting me. Um, I love listening to everything that everyone has to share so far. Uh, I also struggled with a lot of the same um, things transitioning out of the military. I joined uh, I thought for the right reasons, I thought it's because I wanted to help and I wanted to, you know, serve my country. But I feel like once I got in, and especially when I was transitioning out, I realized my true motives were to find value, or mm. to, to, I use that identity of being a soldier as the thing to prop up my self worth, or right. my value of what I could offer to the world. Mm. Um, you know, and especially in, I don't know if this is everywhere, but the command that I was in, the leadership that I was in, um, you know, we really pumped each other up by seeing how amazing we were and, and how trained we were and how skilled we were. But then we also used tearing other people down like civilians or anyone who wasn't, you know, <laughs> doing what we were doing. 
you know, to be less than or not good enough or, Mm. Mm. you know, and so when I went, I was medically discharged. So I had just signed six years, another six years, um, you know, to do specialized training and to get a certain language and, you know, got injured and went from being a rock star, really being accepted by my community and by my peers to when, you know, when you get injured, uh, mental or otherwise, you know, when you have, you know, mental health issues or when you have physical issues, you're really just expected to suck it up. And if you can't, then there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And and so I really felt that um, shift very quickly Um just because of where I was at, I was one of, I think, um, eight females in, in a very large battalion in, you know, special operations and supporting in that way. And so I think as long as I was able to maintain and not be a burden to every anyone, I felt like, okay, I'm good enough. But as soon as I got hurt mentally, it almost knocked out that false identity of of who I was or what my worth was related to Mm. Um, and so as I began transitioning out I really did struggle with the identity as well and and the self-worth of like well what do I have to offer what do I have to give and and from the outside it looked like I had my stuff together I already had a job lined up I already had you know things that I was doing before I completely transitioned out but mentally and emotionally I was not okay yeah. And I and I think because I we had been conditioned and were conditioned to be strong, to to put mission first, yeah. to Suck make it, it work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I just kept sucking it up until I literally couldn't anymore. Um, right. And, you know, had to step away from the businesses that I was in and and the things that I was doing in that moment. But it's almost like once I finally stopped sucking it up and actually let myself hit rock bottom and be like, okay, I am miserable. Okay. This isn't working. Okay. You know, all of these things that I've been trying on to replace the identity of soldier hasn't been working. I guess I have to figure Mm -hmm. out who I am now. Um, And what was the path to get there? What were some of the things that you did in order to find, you know, who really Lauren who is? (laughs) Uh, Well, first I, was working in a chiropractic office as the physicians or the chiropractic assistant. So I would do all the physical therapy and stuff. And she would not leave me alone about trying yoga. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> namaste sister, namaste, <laughs> you know, cause I had my injuries from getting out and that kind of stuff. I had hip stuff and back issues. And she was like, you know, what would really help you is yoga. And the first class I ever went to, I heard the three words that I'd never heard before in my entire life. You are enough. Whoa, and, there you go. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> you are enough. Yeah. You are enough. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just had never heard that before. And, and the person who I had left the military as, that, that person who was no longer a soldier, who didn't know who I was, definitely didn't feel like I was enough. So when I, when I heard those words, it was this strange release and I cried the whole yoga class. Um, and, and, but then was also introduced through that into mindfulness and meditation and breathing and breath work. I've I've done your meditations, Lauren, with the steady (laughs) mind. I've done uh, like five or six of them. They're beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that's where my passion really really kind of took off because that's that is what brought me back to self that's what brought me back to 
my worth actually isn't attached to anything and, you know, not, not anything that I can do really anyway. Right. Um, and, and through that, I started to heal the layers of, of trauma, physical and, and mental that had kind uh, of built up just through my life and through the service and, mm-hmm. and transitioning out. But that uh, was the biggest point for me was finding breath, finding mindfulness. Mm-hmm. That's where I found myself. Yeah. You Heck know. Yeah. Heck yeah. Same, <laughs> same sister. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, thank you, that Lauren. That was a beautiful story. And all yeah, of you, I think we're, we're going to, um, I think we got to close, John, right? We've, we've done quite a bit of time already. Amazing thank stuff, you, everybody. Though. I know, really, really great conversation, everybody. Thank you for being vulnerable, for showing up, for, you know, for speaking your, you know, your truth and your story. Um, and John, and kick it over to you to close us off. Is, is that cool? Sure, man. Yeah, definitely. We'll be uh, short and sweet, but yes, thank you all for being here today. Thank you for sharing your stories. Thank you for being strong and vulnerable. Those are not opposite ends of the spectrum. They are on the same end. And yeah, let me just say one it. thing, John. Uh, we can, you know, we have our Facebook group, so if we can continue, you know, and share more of this information and share some of these tools that we talked about for effective transitioning in the Facebook group or or on LinkedIn. Um, you can just kind of populate. Uh, more of this like uh, or this advertisement for this green room. So just an opportunity to put some of this information out there for to help other people. So not, not to cut for you sure. off, John, but thank you. Ah, man, you're good. You're good. That's what we do, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciate that. And yes, definitely share this. And we'll we'll be uploading this as a podcast later today. And I'll make sure we tag all of you when we share that. So that said, um, go ahead if you are comfortable. Uh, we're going to go ahead and just do a grounding practice, get into a comfortable position. I personally like taking my shoes off. I flip them off. I wear flip-flops almost all day, every day. I flip those off, and my feet are on the ground so that I can truly feel my connection with the ground, with the earth. Get into a comfortable seated position, or if you were laying down, do that. And if you feel comfortable and it's safe to do so, go ahead and close your eyes. Straighten your back, but don't feel stiff. Just nice and straight. Kind of roll your shoulders back gently. And then just bring your attention to your breath. And we're just going to do some box breathing, very simple box breathing. Breathing in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four. And we'll do that four times. So begin by breathing out all your air. Breathing in for four. Hold for four. Three, two, one, out for four. Three, two, one, hold for four. In for four. Hold for four. Three, two, one, out for four. Three, two, one, hold for four. That's two, in for four. Hold for four. Out for four. Three, two, one. Hold for four. Two, one. In for four. Hold for four. Three, two, one. Out for four. Three, two, one, and last time, hold for four. Three, two, one. Now just breathe naturally. 
and notice your breath, notice where you are in your mind, your body, and your nervous system compared to where you were beginning. And now when you're ready on your own time, come on out of the practice, blink your way out of the practice, bring some movement back into the body. And here we are done with another episode of the green room military transition. Thank you all again. Fantastic time. Appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Uh, we'll see y'all again very soon. Thanks for a great episode and, and hearing your voices. Thanks for joining Will and John on men talking mindfulness. If you enjoyed the show, Please like and share it with your friends and family, and please, we would appreciate a review too. Until next time, this has been Men Talking Mindfulness. Thanks for showing up.